sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwardell joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing? I'm pretty good. How's it going with you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I have a very important question to ask you as we gear up for week seven of the NFL season. Greg and I just got done recording You're Wrong and Here's Why about an hour ago, and we got into a conversation that I need your take on. I just, Mm -hmm. I need to know. We spent about 25 minutes in the middle of the show talking about the greatest fictional quarterback of all time. And I, <laughs> I need to know who tops your list. The, th- the five that we came up with as our top five of all time. Really? I have an answer. For okay, oh, okay, go for it. Yeah. Um, it's Vince Howard, without question, in my mind. Michael B. Jordan, Friday okay. Night Lights. Um, you know, I think he would have street if he had stayed healthy, but you know, we, it's no guarantee, obviously. Um, and, and what happened was obviously he can't play now, but Vince Howard is my answer, I'm, but I'm interested to hear if there are other, other ideas. I'm thrilled that you brought up Vince Howard because there was, that was sort of a point of contention with Greg and I, because he's not, mm. he's not a big, uh, Friday Night Lights, the show fan. He's more of a fan of the movie. Oh. So we have we we have Mike Win. I hey, I'm on your side here. I think that's one of the the best TV shows that was out of of that decade. But Agreed. we we do By have the way, that's a Dan Bauer take too. So take it for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, which is completely devalued. But right. uh, we do have Mike Winchell, who I'm not super familiar with. To be honest with you, he was apparently the quarterback of the Friday Night Lights movie. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he made our top five, uh, and this is me just me. Well, he made Greg's top five. I don't really have a top mm-hmm. five in this. Thrilled you brought okay. up Vince Howard though, because I brought up Vince Howard as well. And you know, it. I I would argue though, was Vince Howard even the best? So Street was this generational quarterback prospect, but we ran into an mm-hmm. issue of, eh, we didn't actually see them play. We see a lot of movies where the backup takes over and from mm-hmm. this incredibly great quarterback, but we never saw the great quarterback. So we're going to rule them out. My right. thing to you is Vince Howard, even the best quarterback that we saw on Friday night lights. Cause my argument is uh, voodoo Taylor's voodoo he, Taylor. <laughs> he's, he's got a case for that. It's it's I can't disagree with that too heavily. I just Vince Howard winning the title with East Dillon as a junior. Um, I think that the potential is there when they ultimately combine schools as a senior for him to explode in Kyler Murray-esque fashion as was drilled into our heads last night on Monday Night Football, a Texas schoolboy star. And so I lean towards Vince, but I think that, you know, just the recruiting that went into Voodoo means that he he must have been way up there. But I will say, mm-hmm. I feel like because the show went three years beyond Voodoo Taylor's high school career, I mean... If he was that great, wouldn't sure. his star have shown through into the high school realm? And, and the fact that we don't hear from him again, unlike the likes of, say, Smash Williams, proves to me that uh, that maybe Voodoo wasn't quite, didn't quite live up to the the standards that I think the potential is there for with uh, Vince Howard. Well, if I remember correctly, and you know, I 
I wish to God that Bavada Sportsbook had odds on the, the greatest <laughs> NFL, the greatest fictional quarterback of all time. Wish to God because I would love to get in on this, but <laughs> but uh, I, I we do uh, we do hear from Voodoo again. He he ends up playing playing that. Uh, Coach Taylor oh. and the and them at one point, so yeah, he doesn't right. just go away. Oh, I, yeah. I apologize, Voodoo Tatum. So maybe Tatum. the fact yes. that I don't even remember his actual last name oh, I mean, is yeah that that could play a part. <laughs> uh, they the Dylan Panthers meet him again in the state final against his uh, the current high school West Cambria at the end of season one. Prior to the game, he attempts to play mind games with Smash, trying to entice him to West Cambria. But it wouldn't happen. Mm. Smash wasn't leaving. Wow, I don't remember that. Uh, much like I don't, I choose not to remember season two. But <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> neither and, here nor there. And who was? Uh, we can't forget about the the quarterback prodigy at the end. Who was the, the little douchey, oh, unlikable kid? Oh my god! Yeah, the uh, oh man, the JD McCoy. JD, JD McCoy. That, is that, that sounds name? that sounds right. That sounds I think right. That's right. Yeah, he was pretty good too. But I I gotta go with Vince. I just the ad living a little. Kind of like a, a young Texas Deshaun Watson, maybe. And I'm not sure maybe Watson's from Texas. <laughs> he is, in fact, from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's um, that's an interesting one. Who? What other names were out there? Did Shane Falco make an appearance? All right. Well, right now I'm, I'm trying to figure out what happened to J.D. McCoy. You're right. It is J.D. McCoy. And uh, did so did seems like he was destined to be an Oklahoma quarterback at some point in his career. I can see that. Did did he and did he stay with the original school and play against yes. him and play against Coach Taylor at the end? Yes. Okay. Yep, I believe so. What was Vince Howard the quarterback at the end of Friday Night Lights? I, I honestly can't yes. remember who the quarterback was. He was. Got to rewatch Spoiler it. Alert. <laughs> yes. Great. Oh yeah, I've watched it three times. I think absolutely worth the rewatch and. Anyone who thinks the movie is better than the book, it's like your opinion, or I'm sorry, the movie's better than the, the TV series, your opinion is devalued in my mind. Like that, that show is fantastic. Well, I don't want you to devalue my opinion, but I do want you to know that I really only got into Friday Night Lights for the murder mystery in the season two. <laughs> <laughs> Again, spoilers, but you can also skip over season two and literally I don't think you'd miss anything. Oh, that was also like the uh, the shark cartilage season mm-hmm. where where street oh, yeah, was going to be cured. Yes, shark blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was not good. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, Friday Night Lights did the amazing thing about they had they had three legitimate great shows that were meant to be series finales, and it just kept going. It was just so. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, for the life of me, and this is similar to Arrested Development, but I don't get how NBC just let them go. I mean, it, it's such a good show, and then in the middle of that, it goes to was it free for? I don't even know what the channel was that it went to briefly, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was a huge mistake. Although uh, they they undid it by by acquiring Parenthood from Peter Berg, I believe. Well, I think the issue with Arrested was critics' darling didn't do major ratings. Yeah, that's fair for sure. That's a tough show to you know to like. I get How why do you it didn't it? do great. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, if you, that's a show that rewards you for paying attention Mm -hmm. and knowing the storyline, you know, like it's funny, you can clip little parts of it, but it's hard to, it's hard to like just drop in midstream and appreciate all the jokes. Yeah, you need to, you really need to take it all in, let it all soak in and appreciate just the the constant genius that is going to be thrown at you. 
could not agree with you more until okay. the Netflix versions. But yeah. Well, yeah, not not amazing. Also, weird to see them mm-hmm. get older. This is like I don't. Yes. Michael kind of creepy. Michael, Sarah, and um, I don't remember the girl's name. They just they did not age super great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, um, right, maybe. Whoever, yeah, whoever maybe's name is. She's in that search party show on TBS. But regardless, we're very off track. We're off track of our off track at this point. <laughs> the, the top five that we have here on this list, uh, do you have, you, you want to, you want to do a three strikes and you're out kind of guessing game here? Who, top five that made it? Oh, man. I, I mean, I threw out Falco. That's, Falco's, that's a strike. Falco's on. Falco's on. Oh, he's on. For sure, wow. Shane Falco's this on this is... list. Damn, this is like a Family Feud style. Um, Number two, Shane Falco. Vince Howard Howard was mine. Um, No, Vince did not make it because Greg wasn't familiar with Vince Howard. That's a joke. Willie Beeman. Willie Beeman. I'm going to tell you. Number one. So if this is is Family Feud, you have control of the board, sir. Oh, man. I'm crushing this game. I I think that I might be out, though. Um, Trying to think about it. I was going to go in another direction, but uh, <laughs> I'll do it for the, the laughs. The, the, the kid from uh, Little Giants, the quarterback, he was a stud. Greg tried to get him. I don't. I, okay, I'm going to admit this. I've never seen Little Giants. What? Oh, my God. Icebox? Greg tried to get this quarterback right. on the list, but I, I, my, my argument was that he was not ready to, to man a grown-up team at this point as, mm. a, yes, as his was, fictional child. Tired, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to think of other football movies off the top of my head. Two X's. You got two X's. Ooh, um, well, the Waterboy guy was terrible. Um, yeah, he was terrible. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you could put Adam Sandler a quarterback, it would have been interesting. Well, or, oh wait, there we go, Adam Sandler of quarterback. So okay, so that that will be X three, but I will tell you that Paul Crew, Burt uh, Reynolds, Burt Reynolds yes. Adam Sandler character from The Longest Yard, did make our our list when we were just trying to make a list and then pare it down. I would, mm, he probably okay. would have finished like in that eight nine range. Um, yeah. Also, Jimmy Nicks from The Last mm. Boy Scout, uh, which is an incredible football I've not movie. Seen that. It's I just watch the first scene. You from there, you can you can kind of give it up. The Last Boy Scout's an awesome movie. The other players <laughs> on our list, uh, number three, I've already given you Mike Winchell from Friday Night Lights, the movie. Yeah, he came yeah. in at number five. Number okay. four, Ronnie Sunshine Bass from Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. And yeah. number three, the last uh, player on our list here, Johnny Moxon from Ooh, from he sucked. Oh, he, he was did. Matt Saracen. He, he did not suck. He, he was like the exact same I thing as I don't Matt want your life. <laughs> I mean, great line. Don't get me wrong. Amazing, phenomenal acting, considering he's Canadian. But, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it's the exact same scenario as you might as well put Saracen out there. Saracen was on the list for a while. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but uh, he, he was he, trash. He also did not make our uh, our top five here. Look, yeah. look, Moxon, he, well, and, you know, we had the question about just like Jason Street, did Paul Walker's character deserve to be on the list because he was the starting mm-hmm. quarterback? And if if Moxon's on the list and you have to have the starter on the list, but exactly. uh, ruled him out. Technicalities. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to do? I love how these are all Texas high school quarterbacks, by the way. I think that you name of the list. There's like a 60 percent Texas high school hit rate. I like it. Yeah. No, that, that sounds <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's almost like football in Texas is a big deal. Hmm. As again was drilled into our head during Monday Night Football last night. Yeah, not so much Cowboys football in Texas necessarily, Ooh. but uh, let's let's talk about that. The Dallas Cowboys lose <laughs> in an absolutely ugly game to the Arizona Cardinals, 
and uh, it, it's lost me some money, by the way. It lost me a, a, oh, no. a relatively substantial amount of money. I had Cowboys money line. Boy, do I look foolish on that one. I bet that too. But, Can't blame you. But uh, came out today. The Cowboys are basically openly criticizing Mike McCarthy already. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a Mike McCarthy guy. I think that you've just got to give it time. It's way too soon to be to be saying that, like, you know, he's not detail-oriented or any of these things. This is a team that was coached by Jason Garrett mm. for the better part of the decade, right? And so I, I just just let it kind of sink in. I The one thing I will say is McCarthy's always on a poor job of hiring defensive coordinators. And, mm. you know, Dom Capers, with his, I think that that ended up ruining McCarthy's career, to be honest, um, just because, like, their defenses were so bad for so long. And again, like Mike Nolan, this guy gets plucked. I believe he was on the street. I don't think he was coaching any specific unit on any team. And if he was, it definitely wasn't as a D coordinator. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's a tough one. And I wonder if some of what you're hearing publicly today is coming from, you know, the defense more than the McCarthy side, because look, before this game, this team is averaging like what, 450, 500 yards of offense per game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go to your backup and Dalton, granted, it was a lot of empty calorie yards, but if your best player doesn't fumble the ball twice, you know, if, on two if consecutive some, touches. Right, right. And I, I mean, that's just so out of character based on his last few years. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a Mike McCarthy apologist, but not so much that I would want him to still be the Packers coach. So <laughs> I just, I, I expect, I, I think that this is, this is a rush to judgment and it's probably a little bit of like classic Cowboys related feeding frenzy, you know, that always happens around them. It happened to Garrett for years. And I, I do think I'm guessing it's something along the defense, if anything, because that offense is still posting yards. Well, the defense has given up, I believe they're tied for the fourth most points ever given up through six games in the NFL. So that's not great. And it's, we, yeah. we, have, <laughs> we have seen some like historically bad defensive uh, starts for some team. We saw how terrible that uh, Seahawks passing mm-hmm. defense has been. This Cowboys defense has been horrible. Uh, Mike, Nol- uh, Mike Nolan, for the record, was the Saints linebackers coach last year. Mm. Okay, so that was a really good unit. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but so I don't know. these guys, these these unnamed players on the team at this point, uh, this is from Roto World. Totally unprepared were the words of one player. They just don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Added another, and they just aren't good at their jobs. Ooh. Other than that, how was the play? Yeah, no, great. Yeah, other other than that, we're very happy. And this is this is after Cowboys players had previously agreed to keep their complaints internal. They just got to the point where they couldn't do it. Man, it's got to be a defensive player, though, right? Because the the offense is is I don't know. It might be the an offensive player complaining about the defense. Yeah, that's very possible. And again, it's it's pretty par for the course for a McCarthy regime to have that happen. And I mean, this team is not lacking for talent. We know that. I know that they've had some injuries like Tyron Smith's out for the season, obviously Dak. Um, you know, they're in a rough spot. But I thought, like, how many teams would bring in their backup and look, you know, even somewhat competent. Like I thought yeah. that their offense was fine. It was like you, like we talked about. Like, I mean, a couple fluky plays. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cowboys come off the mat and look a lot better offensively. But that defense 
to me feels like a lost cause almost. Yeah, Andrew was fine at quarterback, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say he had two picks, but one of them was one of the most egregious non-calls I've ever seen oh for an God. interception. What? Where Drake, Drake Kirkpatrick yeah. literally tackled CeeDee Lamb, and it was somehow a no-call. Even the defense just stopped playing. They were like, all right, oh, yeah. come on. No, that's, <laughs> that's 15. All right, we get it. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> or at, le- at yeah, least exactly. a five holding, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, rarely do I see arguments for ha- being able to challenge pass interference calls, but my God, mm-hmm. that, was that was so bad. bad. There were a couple. I, You know, the Cowboys, to, in my opinion, rarely get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm sorry, rarely suffer from the benefit of the doubt. But in that game in particular, I felt like they were – they were getting screwed pretty bad. I mean, they were screwing themselves and they weren't by any means the better team on the field, but you know, they're like that game could have been very different. had Zeke not fumbled the ball twice and that mm. those penalties go the other way. And Van Der Esch was back, but just didn't look, didn't look right. No. And he got hurt, I mm. believe in the middle of the game again too. So it's, it's a bad scenario for them for sure. I didn't even see that. So I, uh, I was so, mm-hmm. I, I was so just turned off by what was going on i gave up a little before halftime when i realized that this just wasn't was, going to work out uh cleared <laughs> it got to, worse cleared to play so. monday night uh leighton van der Esch injury cleared to play reserve blah 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 yeah i don't i don't know if it's he definitely got banged up in the middle of the game he, yeah he may have come back in yeah, but he, regardless, whether he did or did not, he was not any sort of impact on the field. Certainly not the kind of impact that we expected from from that guy, who, quite frankly, is one of the best linebackers in all of football when he's right. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And, you know, it, it's the other thing is, you know, because they've been spending so much money on the Zeeks and the Amari Coopers and that sort of thing, they weren't able to keep guys like Quinn, who's just crushing it with the Bears. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just... There are other play- and actually, Alden Smith was playing pretty well for the Cowboys early on too. But you know, like they're not able to keep all the players that they want to keep, and I think that that you know that rears its head when you have the injuries that they've had. Now, luckily, they've been able to replace the guys that that have gotten hurt, like Dak, with competent backups like Dalton. But you know, at some point, it's just hard with a new coaching staff and like everything else that's going on. It's just really hard to maintain being you know, a, a reasonable contender, which I think at this point everyone can agree they're definitely not. Yeah, the other really big story from the last 24 hours is the Dolphins make a change at quarterback. It doesn't mean a lot looking at the the future's odds on Bavada for the Super Bowl right now. Uh, the Dolphins are still only plus 12,500, but <laughs> they go to Tua Tungavailoa and uh, decide to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick. Are you uh, at all surprised by this? Very. I mean, this is, um, you know, a results oriented business and, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's Fitzpatrick, but he hasn't been like any less of a Fitzpatrick than you would expect, you know, like, and so to me, my guess is that, and, you know, they're winning games and the Brian Flores tree, the, the Belichick tree would say, you know, if we're winning, we stick with this guy. And it does seem like he's got the ear of his teammates and he's like a very popular player, as he always has been, really. Yeah. Um, so that just tells me that going into the season, Miami had like this deadline day that was basically like, all right, Tua's coming in the second half of this specific game unless Fitzpatrick's just crushing it. And then, you know, if he's healthy, like his hip's going to be good. We're going to roll with him for the rest of the season. And yeah. it does seem like that's the plan. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because... 
you know, Fitzpatrick, first of all, they're on pace to win eight games. I don't think anyone saw that coming from Miami this season, including mm-hmm. Miami. And, <laughs> and, you know, he's on pace to throw for 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 19 picks with a 95 quarterback rating. Like, good season. For him, for sure. And I mean, he's, you know, and he actually runs the ball a decent amount, especially considering his age. And yeah, I mean, I, I get that too, as sort of like your future. And especially if you're the Dolphins in this draft, like you, you do want to see what you've got into it. Not that they would ever bail on him after mm-hmm. one season, but you know, I, like I get it. Uh, I, I, I have to believe that they are absolutely sure that they're you know, that, that his hip is a hundred percent because otherwise there's no reason at all to toss him out there. And, you know, maybe they feel like he is that much better than Fitzpatrick that he gives them a real shot. I mean, I doubt it, but you know, I, we've been wrong about the dolphins all year. So maybe they've, you know, they're seeing something in practice that says, you know, this guy is, is better than Fitzpatrick and gives them a chance to like be a legit contender. Yeah, it's a strange season, so you can't really rule anything out. Uh, we're through six yeah. weeks, and we have ten teams with one or fewer wins. Ten, one, <laughs> Four of them in your division. One, play, one third of the NFL, three of them in our division. Smart guy. <laughs> uh, the other one has two wins. Yes. <laughs> they're, a, they're a playoff team. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, almost a third of the league has one or fewer win through six weeks. and It's crazy the difference it makes if— if the Eagles would have just lost to the Bengals instead of beating the Bengals, they would be picking three instead of nine. That's how close this is right now. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah, I keep I keep saying yeah, yeah. instead of tying the Bengals. But uh, yeah, they'd yeah. be picking three instead of nine. Uh, wow, I, what a different scenario. What is exactly? All of a sudden, you know, you're looking at somebody like Sewell or Parsons or Jamar Chase, if not for the future Hall of Fame career of Travis Fulgham already on the roster. <laughs> But hey, you're welcome, by the way. Yeah, thank you for yeah. Well, we've we if look, it would be great if karmically he was our Chris Carter. We we cut Chris Carter because yeah. all he did was catch touchdown passes, and you can't have that in a Buddy Ryan offense. So he goes on to have an okay career in Minnesota. If uh, if Fulcum was a modern day <laughs> Chris Carter, that would be okay with me. But you know, the, I was looking at the Tankathon thing today because the Jets are sitting with that number one pick and Adam Gase is mm-hmm. still their head coach. And I don't believe that's a coincidence or something that that team wants to screw up anytime mm-hmm. soon. And the Jets have two first round picks, a second round pick, two third round picks. You know, and if they're drafting Lawrence at one, they're also trading Darnold, which is probably a two, a two mm. or a, a two or a three, I would think. So. Yeah. They have 10 picks right now. The goal with, you know, this is this should be selling season in New yeah. York. Brian Poole, Jameson Crowder, Marcus May, uh, McDougald, whoever they can deal. Even even consider trading Quinnen Williams, considering he's just That's been out there. doing did you nothing. See that rumor? I did. You know, yeah. and, and I would be trading anyone I could get a draft pick for right now. My goal would be to go into next year's draft with 14 picks. And let me just let me just bring, throw this out there. So on Tankathon, the Jets uh, the Jets picks in the first three rounds. In the first round, they keep the Clemson duo of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne together. In, in the second round, they take uh, Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Ooh, in, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, for real. And that Chris Olave could can be a star. He can oh, be yeah. an absolute star, and I'm so excited. He'll be a first rounder, I think. The, the, but it's just another year where the wide receiver class is so good, and you just you don't yeah. somebody somebody at that level is going to be there at the top of the second round. Is the point of this? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At the end, or their first pick in the third round, 
I love this pick so much just because it's it's so fascinating to me. They take the literal only man playing football right now that makes Makai Becton look small in Daniel <laughs> Falale from Minnesota. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, All not the, technically playing football right now, but well, yeah, you know, soon well, to be. Saturday, this Saturday, he'll be playing football. And, yes. uh, like, you know, this, for people who aren't familiar, we're talking six foot nine, 400 pounds, and he's an athlete. Like, I don't and know. And they would have both of them. And they would have he and Beth, and that's like 800 pounds of offensive tackle. That's just, that's just crazy. Like 14 feet. He's 14. almost the size of that Nambaya guy from France. Yeah, anyways. And then, um, and they take in uh, Chris Rump from uh, from Duke to play defensive end. Like, if nice. you if you tell me I can have an offensive, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Etienne, Alave with Becton, with Falale, like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of buying this. Yeah, with I mean, with the other guys that they have, too, with, you know, Crowder and Perriman. And, you know, that could be a quick turnaround if they get the right coach in place, which they obviously don't have currently. So that's that's why they hired Judd Douglas was to do this stuff. And, you know, I think that could be an even better draft if you don't take ETN and you mm-hmm. do something else, like maybe make it two receivers or something along those lines. I mean, the Jets could turn this around very quickly. And, I, I mean... I personally wouldn't be trading Quinnen Williams because he is so young still. And, yeah. you know, you you never know how quickly you can bounce back and be competitive. Like, just ask the Dolphins. And so, I, I you know, and yeah, I, I think that, but that's, it's fascinating what one guy is going to do for a franchise. And that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence will be for whoever gets in. It. it looks like it's the Jets. Yeah, just looking at this draft, I'm not sure who who the guy would be if they passed on ETN for somebody else, because you, you know, you're picking ETN at 31 and then Alave at 33. So basically you're picking Alave at 31 and then who are you going to take yeah. at 33? Is it, is it mm-hmm. somebody like Asante Samuel jr. From Florida state or Javon, mm-hmm. one, you know, one of the safeties Holland or, um, or the kid from, uh, da, 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 from Syracuse, Andre Cisco. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. But regardless, the few it jets fans, it sucks right now, but the future isn't that bad. Like, no, the, I think that Lawrence fellow is pretty good. Yes, I, like I, I've got a lot of Bengals buddies, including some who listen to this, and I, you know, it sucked for them last year, obviously. But like, you know, after you've gotten through the point of, uh, of beyond return, you know, where it's like, all right, the season is completely lost. Like to get that dude, I mean, mm-hmm. and Burrow was that dude last year, and Lawrence clearly is that dude, if not better, this year. I, I mean, it's just got to be such an amazing feeling. Like you're almost rooting against your team, like actively. <laughs> And I do think that, you know, if, if it's up to me, if I'm Joe Douglas, I'm not putting Sam Darnold even close to the field anytime soon. Let Joe Flacco take the licks, make up some, maybe not even injury, just like, uh, I don't know, whatever it it's takes. It's a mental health to, break for Sam Darnold. Yeah, whatever it is that doesn't cost them his trade value and basically yeah. just put him in bubble wrap and say like, all right, this is our guy, you know, give us a third rounder for him, which I think is what he would net right now and uh, and just go from there. I think that that's what they'll get. And, you know, we it's funny because you and I on this show talked about two teams as being really interesting Sam Darnold suitors. And I think that the Colts and Steelers are absolutely yeah. perfect fits for him. Patriots. Oh man, we're yeah, we've talked about the Patriots too. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I think oh, uh, I think Cam is one and done in New England. So mm-hmm. I really, yeah. I love that fit so much. I'd, I've never bought Stidham. I don't understand why the Patriots like him as much as they do. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch. If you're if you're mm-hmm. in charge of this team, you can have any coach, any available coach. Who are you going after? I mean, you want Dabo? 
is still my guy. I, I know that the shine has worn off a little bit with how they've looked this year, but you know, I just, I would, I like, especially with Lawrence, I mean, I'm, I'm good. I I'm good on Dabo. I, I'm not interested with him in, at the NFL level. I think that a lot of what he's done has been heavily related to recruiting and, sure. um, you know, I mean, he's a, he's obviously a good enough coach. He's hired really good people around him, Venables and whoever else. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going right after Lincoln Riley, and I think that he would take that job. That would be interesting. You know, that it's always difficult for those really hot college coaches to take a really bad team because you don't know how many shots you're going to get. And I trust Douglas. I feel like that's a big part of it. Why do you trust Douglas, though? I don't I don't understand this. I've yeah, I mean, he comes from fair. the Eagles and I've never been a big Joe Douglas fan. I thought he should have got fired last year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I guess he's a great he's done a great job of manipulating the media. So maybe my message is, comes from that, you know, like, I mean, but I I've, I've thought that the Eagles do a phenomenal job generally with their personnel. I think they've yeah. been very creative and I want a piece of the Howie Roseman pie, if I can get it. You could just um, have Howie Roseman. I'm okay with that. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just saying, grass isn't always greener. It sometimes yeah. is like, I like the aggressiveness. I think that he's done some very creative things. Um, we'll see what they, I, I think that the Jalen Hurts thing is going to be, the, the rest of the season, whatever they do with him, it's going to be fascinating. And um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're as eager as I am to see it more than I am to see what, what goes on with that. But I think that there's a plan and, um, you know, I, I, I think Douglas is cut from the same claw. Yeah, Doug uh, allowed for the possibility of a bigger role for Jalen Hurts as we move forward. So that that's going to be something interesting to watch as you know, we've talked about. Like an f- actual passing Taysom Hill? I, I don't. Well, he's not like we have to get rid of this notion that he's Taysom Hill because Taysom, Taysom Hill is even in the NFL, he's in the top. 5% of athletes in the NFL. This is a guy, he was a 4-4-40 guy. He's an unbelievable athlete. Hertz is a good athlete. He's not mm-hmm. great. That's fair. He, he's good. He's not he's not somebody who, you know, he would be like he he would be a good athlete for a tight end. Uh Taysom Hill is an elite athlete for a wide receiver. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, I mean it, you know what I mean? Like he's he'd be the guy taking the snap and doing stuff that's unconventional for the quarterback position. And I like I'm not saying he couldn't ultimately become their quarterback. I mean, I think that that's sort of somewhat the plan, but like, why else do you take him there is if not to give defenses something else to worry about? I think that that to me has to be the plan. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be so difficult to move Carson because he hasn't even started that contract extension that he signs yet. So it's, it's a weird situation. We'll get to watch it uh, on play out over the next couple of seasons. And I just look, it's hilarious to me that on a team that literally has two healthy starters on their offense from the beginning of the season, Carson Wentz is one of them, and he's the guy we talk about being injury prone. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He, like, can you imagine if he wasn't healthy? I mean, what that what they would be, be like? That kind of oh yeah, they'd be a lot worse than one four and one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I'm, to I'm into watch. I'm into watching Hurts. We didn't get to. I felt like we got a little ripped off because we didn't get the preseason, so Hurts didn't get to play. You know, yeah, I get, I get yeah. frustrated, but I will say, like Carson's taking a lot of crap in the media right now that he absolutely does not deserve. I sent you the text this uh, this weekend. He is playing behind an offensive line that is made up of a fourth string left tackle, a third string left guard, a starting center, a second string right guard, and mm-hmm. a sec. Oh, sorry, third string right guard 
and second string right tackle. Like this, talk about a preseason. Like this would be a bad preseason offensive line just based <laughs> on the players who are playing right now. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think that, you know, I'm, I'll again defer to you a little bit on the Eagles, but they're the way that they've kind of gutted out some of these games. I know that they are what their record says they are, but mm-hmm. like they've, I, I think that Wentz, I agree that Wentz probably deserves a lot more credit than he gets. And especially like not just the line, but the players he's throwing to. And, you know, there are injuries all around the league, but it does feel like they've, you know, Wentz has gotten the short end of the evaluative stick because of that. What's confused me a little bit about Wentz, though, and maybe it's the game planning as much as anything else, is that, you know, we, we joke about Travis Fulcom. But Travis Fulcom has broken out in a big way. He is he's had the biggest three games, three consecutive games of any wide receiver in the Carson Wentz era playing with Wentz wow. over these past couple of seasons. Damn, and shocking. It is. And he did not see a target for the first 28 minutes of the game this past weekend. Yeah, I, I've, I've had the pleasure of owning him in fantasy. And, uh, you know, he's he's a really interesting player, too, because like you look at him and he's he seems like he should be an outside guy, but it mm-hmm. seems like they're moving him around a lot and he's become like this like possession slot guy, right? I mean, they're using him on interesting types of routes, which I think means that when DJX comes back this week and, you know, whenever Alshon comes back, there's still a role for, for Travis Fulgham, right, in this offense. I, he's, yeah, like, it's crazy to say this. He, to me right now, Travis Fulgham is the most promising wide receiver on the roster and that includes Jalen Raker. Oh man! I, well, that, like, I genuinely was believe doing what he. If Jalen Rager was doing what Fulgham was doing, which he obviously wouldn't, because they're totally different types. But like, if he just the stats ended up being the same, I mean, people would be losing their minds mm-hmm. over Jalen Rager right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Fulgham almost brought down that pass at the end of the first half. He almost mm-hmm. caught that hail mary too. It, oh man, he has been a phenomenon so far. It's just a matter of. We have to find out if he's real or not, because, you know, I've been fooled by the Bryce Browns of the world before. Do you think he'll continue to be their guy? Like, like he'll be starting and playing 90% of snaps. He's not going to start when and if Deshaun and all Sean are healthy, just because this team is so loyal to their guys. But, you know, base personnel should be, should be Alshon and Fulgham on the outside and Deshaun as the slot receiver. That's what it should mm-hmm. be. We'll see if it is, you know, there's loyalty to, uh, to JJ Ortega Whiteside just keeps playing despite the fact that Carson Wentz and if you combine Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, they have more catches than, uh, JJ this season, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but Hey, he did have, uh, one target for zero catches and scored eight points this week for, so that's a good week for, uh, Ortega Whiteside, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's you fact you factor in Ertz, you factor in Goddard. Ertz out for three to four weeks, which, which kind of stinks considering the trade deadline is two weeks from today. And mm-hmm. he was one of the guys I really pointed to as he needs to be dealt both, you know, be, for value and because of contractual issues moving past this season. But I don't know, man. We're gonna see. Deshaun mm-hmm. should be back this Thursday night against the uh, the Giants. So. We'll get a, a look at what that offense is, and then I would expect that Lane, if he's not back Thursday, he'll be back next Sunday for the Cowboys game, and I would guess that's not, that game will also be when Alshon makes his season debut. 
after the bye, right? No, the Cowboy, Cowboys game. It's Giants-Cowboys bye, I believe. Oh, okay. And that's when Sanders ideally comes back? Sanders, probably. yeah. We don't know about Sanders right now. We're, the, the MRI, I believe it came back clean, but... I, last I saw, he was week to week. Admittedly, I haven't seen anything on that in the last couple of hours. And mm-hmm. uh, and Ertz is three to four weeks. And Ertz just seems like he says that contract issue doesn't bother him, but he I've never seen him play this poorly. So yeah, I can't imagine that 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 isn't affecting him. Uh, yeah, Sanders sidelined practice. I guess there nothing has been officially ruled out for this week, but Alshon was limited. Let's stop talking about the Eagles. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do our picks for this week and this the second half of the show here. We I don't want to take too long with these, so let's not dive too deeply in. Uh, starting with the Thursday night game, Bavada has the uh, the New York Giants. In a, look, none of the words I'm saying are correct. The New York Giants head to Philadelphia, right? We got that covered. Yeah, Giants are playing it. in Philly. They're going to play a football game. And Bavada has the Eagles minus four at home. Wow, that is uh, not a lot of deference to the Eagles. No. I, I think Philly is on another level despite their record compared to the Giants. So despite all of the struggles we just talked about, I do expect DJX to be back. That should give them a little bit of juice. Boston Scott is good enough against this terrible Giants oh. defense. I like the Eagles. Can I tell you, I, I think the Giants are going to win this game. I really just have I, I feel like the Giants are going to win this game, and then the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys. Mm. I mean, I think the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys too. So, <laughs> yeah. we'll. Uh, I I do not feel great about Thursday night. I and you're you're more Man. confident in Boston Scott than I am. But I already made this edict about let's stop talking about the Eagles. So I yes. will I will live by that. The <laughs> Buffalo Bills head to New York to take on the New York Football Jets. <laughs> My God, Bavada has the Jets plus thirteen at home. Oh man. Is there any number that would be high enough to pick the Jets? Like Flacco is going to start again, it looks like. Yeah. Um, I I cannot pick New York, the the Jets. And I just refuse to do it until something else, until they cover a game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not doing it here. And they may not cover a game this season. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers head to New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. McCaffrey will be out at least another week. Bovada has the Saints minus seven and a half. Ooh, interesting. The Saints coming off the bye. You assume Michael Thomas will be back. Yeah. Um, are, are we worried about Michael Thomas, by the way? Like he apparently is a just horrible locker room guy. Yeah. I I did not know that about Me him. Neither. And on Twitter, he seems fine. Um, and everything you, you know, you see like the interview, it's amazing how you can be sort of I don't know, your judgment can be tainted a little bit by what you see on Twitter and whatnot. Antonio so, Brownie? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, definitely possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised about that. But that being said, he is a total game changer for them, obviously. And um, I'm expecting that after what's happened and with the bye week, um, it's it's going to be a good situation for him. So I, I do think that the, the Panthers have rode this Mike Davis thing out and it's been really good for them up until <laughs> yeah. last week. And I think it's this is going to be sort of like, I don't expect them to keep this game close. I kind of feel a Saints blowout coming, but then when CMC comes back, I think they'll find another bit of juice and get back to to what they were here in the middle of this win streak. We're on the same page. The Cleveland Browns head to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Bavada has the Bengals plus three and a half. Ooh, man. Browns, (laughs) the best of times and worst of times with them. It's so interesting. 
when they're losing, like Baker Mayfield is a backup. And when they're winning, you know, they're a Super Bowl contender. There, there's got to be some middle ground for them. Um, but they've done a good job against these, the types of teams like the Bengals. And I do, I feel like a Bengals upset's coming. They were, they had the Colts like completely blown out and then they just choke away that lead, um, which probably will serve them well in the draft just to get, they need offensive line help so bad. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the Browns win this game by three. So if, if the line's three and a half, I like the, the Bengals, I guess, at home. Yeah, I, Sewell looks really good on that on that, that Cincinnati Bengals team moving forward. Yeah, you get Sewell and Jonah Williams on the outside and then, you know, just completely gut the inside and figure it out. I, I mean, I would consider seriously consider drafting offensive line with three of my first four picks if I'm the Bengals. And hope none of them are Billy Price. <laughs> That's right. That's very true. My or, God any of those guys that they drafted really yeah just uh are we sure jonah williams is good yet by the way no we're not i don't but think I'm so either. assume that he'll be okay eventually based on based on what history yeah the, i don't know i liked him at, i liked him in college i thought billy price was a can't miss player in college that's fair very <laughs> true i also liked the uh, i like jake fisher too out of college and mm. he was he's i think he's he might still actually be on that line now that I think about it. You're absolutely right, though. The Jonah Williams thing, I guess there is a little bit of a safety net in that he, a lot of people projected him as a guard anyway. So mm-hmm. if he can't make it a tackle, he could always kick inside to guard. So there's that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The, uh, I guess we don't have a line here on Bavada on this one. The Cowboys heading to Washington to take on the football team. Or it's a pick Honestly, I'm not sure which one, what this is indicating. But I guess it might be a pick I think pick sounds right. The line's sounds zero, right. so. Yeah, I think that's right. There he is. Hey. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do expect the Cowboys to jump up off the mat like we were talking about earlier. I just think that they're a better team. I thought that that game was kind of a fluke in some ways. And I, I think that the Kyle Allen experience is going to end here in the next two weeks. And it's going to be Alex Smith's show here in the in the near future. Oh, fingers crossed for Alex Smith, man. The Yeah, man. Agreed. The, I don't like that. Yeah. The Detroit Lions head to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Bavada has the Falcons minus two and a half. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I love the Lions there. I think that Detroit is uh, certainly above that sort of group of really bad teams. And right now, man, we were talking about bad, bad pass defenses earlier. Mm-hmm. This Falcons team has a potential to be just as historically terrible as the, the Cowboys. So, um, you know, I, I, I like I like the Lions a lot. I think that they're a pretty good team, and so I like Detroit here on the road. Your Green Bay Packers head to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Bavada has the Texans minus three. Oh, sorry, plus three and a half. Ooh. Um. Yeah. That. God. I. I. I don't know. The, the Packers looked like. It, just a totally different team last week. And that obviously scares me. So did the Um, Texans, unfortunately. Yeah, right, right. The opposite way. And so, um, you know, the Texans still found a way to lose that game. And I think that's kind of the way these two teams are trending right now is like one finds a way to win by a lot and the other is just like finding ways to lose. So I, I expect a ton of points in this game. And I do think that the Packers will get back on track because this, this Texans team is nowhere near, it has nowhere near the speed that that Tampa Bay defense has. What 
on Shukana is the over under at Bavada for this game. Mm. I'm gonna say fifty four. Fifty six and a half. Ooh, okay. That's not, a lot. That's a not lot. buying into the defenses there. No. I the, think that's a little high, personally. Well, that's just the way we're, well, you know what? I guess there are more 40 lines. We talked about seven of the 12 lines that we had last week being in the 40s. Now, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, I guess seven of 14 or seven of 15 here are uh, in the 50s. So lower percentage, mm-hmm. but the same number. The mm-hmm. the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers head to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. Bavada has the Titans plus two. Oh, man, I, uh, this Titans team is very confusing to me. Mm. I mean, they've been good. They also could have easily and probably should have lost to the Texans had it not been for the genius of the coaching logistics by Mike Vrabel there late. Yeah, good um, for him. Yeah, that was that was really sharp. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sold on the Steelers team. I think that they are absolutely loaded defensively, and I think they're just a flat-out better team than Tennessee. So within three points, I do like Pittsburgh here. I thought it was really funny that you know this, this is the second time Vrabel has has pulled this out of the playbook here to get the yeah. a, 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 basically get a free timeout, and mm-hmm. both times the color guy has been Rich Gannon, and both times Rich Gannon did not understand what was going on and criticized Vrabel <laughs> for the move. <laughs> well, Vrabel did a great job of the act by yeah. uh, like fake throwing his headset and that old thing, and um, I don't know what the rule is. There like is there like a illegal procedure or something or like unsportsmanlike conduct or something that would happen if they knew that they were like intentionally taking penalties. I, I mean, we saw it from Vrabel, uh, Vrabel before in the Patriots game and yeah, with yeah, that, with everything he's doing, he's just exploiting the loopholes and the rules and you know, good for him. Right. The guy learned from Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's doing a great job with it for sure. The Seattle Seahawks travel to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Bavada has the Cardinals plus three and a half. Oh, man. Back to the Seahawks. I, I mean, I wasn't super impressed with Arizona despite that blowout. I no. don't know about you. I, I just, it felt like a weird game. I thought Kyler looked terrible, to he be did. honest. I mean, great running, but just he was off. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he's that bad, but I also think that this Seattle team is on another level, and I, I do like Seattle to go on the road and do it, get it done. The Jacksonville Jaguars head to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Bavada has the Chargers minus seven and a half. Ooh, wow. Okay, well, Melvin Ingram coming off the IRL. It sounds like he's designated to return, which is a huge lift for them. Um, but I do think that the Jaguars are a little bit better than that, and so I will pick the Jags to cover that big touchdown-plus spread. The Kansas City Chiefs head to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos. Bavada has the Broncos plus 10. Ooh, man. Well, Broncos, man, what a crazy game to spring the upset on New England. Um, You know, and that's with Drew Locke playing I thought, I mean, he played okay. They That team just made a lot of mistakes. That was one of the biggest rarities you'll ever see from a Belichick team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that this line shows what everyone knows, which is that Denver is kind of in that lower, lower tier um, of teams. And so, yeah, I, I think that the Chiefs are on another level right now, and I expect them to go in and, and blow them out. 
The San Francisco 49ers head to New England to take on the New England Patriots, two of the more confusing teams in football over the past three weeks. And yeah. Bavada has the Patriots minus two and a half at home. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, San Francisco is starting to ramp up Debo. It sounds like Mustard's out. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, it's so interesting because I have no idea what to make of either of these. My hunch is that the Patriots are like this line should be exactly three based on the balance of the season. But they looked so bad last week. And, and Cam Newton looked horrible, too. You want to talk about just completely off-target throwing. I like he... I remember, I think it was early last year, you and I were talking, maybe two years ago even, we were talking about Cam's shoulder looking really off. Mm-hmm. He It looked very bad in this last game, and so I'm very eager to see how he plays in this one, but my hunch is that they're able to get it done at home. Two, two losses in a row just doesn't seem to happen very often for them. No, and uh, the 49ers winning two in a row feels even more wrong to me at this point. <laughs> That's right. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to Las Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. This is... I didn't expect it to be one of the biggest games of the week, but it definitely is. Yeah. And Bo, Bo agrees. The yeah, yeah. the Raiders, boy, plus three. Big Raiders fan. Yes, he is. Uh, big John Gruden Bowl guy. I Yeah, I think that, you know, this is, this is a really interesting one, kind of similar to the Niners Patriots in that, like, we've seen both ends of the spectrum here. But I'm... I was very impressed with Tampa last week, and I don't know if they like emptied their holster or what in that game, but um, you know, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how they play in this one, and uh, I, I do think that the Raiders are going to get it done with the bye. I, I'm very familiar with the the <laughs> feeling that I live yes. in a kennel with uh, the the barking sometimes, and that's right. Yeah, it's that's just, right. this is 2020 podcasting is what we're talking about right now. Our final game of the week, the Chicago Bears head to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Bavada has the Rams minus five and a half. Absolutely love the Rams in this one. I think that they, you know, the Bears are just about as fluky a team as you will ever see in terms of record. Like, mm-hmm. I think that their defense clearly shows that they should be, you know, 500 or slightly above, but they are they are playing, you know, getting by by the skin of their teeth. And, and I truly think that they... They're going up against a very good Rams team in my mind. I know they just lost to the Niners, but I just feel like the Rams are clearly better, and I expect them to win by seven to ten in this game. So give me the Rams. Here's the I want to throw this little uh, bonus one at you, sir. After after dismantling Georgia Tech this past weekend, Syracuse, coming off of a loss to a bad team, heads to Clemson. The line at Bavada in this game is Clemson minus 46. Who are you taking? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Hughes also, who'd they lose to? They lost to, like, Liberty, Liberty. I think. Yeah. I got to take the 46, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel good about it. I'll just say that. I'm, the, not, I'm not actually betting it. Like, the biggest kick in the nuts for these games when somebody is down 46, is minus 46, is like you have to hope the over-under is, like, 75 or something like that. Not the case here. The over-under is only 61 and a half. So, wow. Cle- they, so they're they, projecting, like, just, a 58 a to 7 game. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, just absolutely horrible. Well, good luck to Syracuse. It's, you haven't been the same since Greg Paulus left. Um, that's it for this episode of The Underdog. For Anshikana, I'm Chris Hordell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.